Totally Football Show. Today, Yes Club 7 as Kevin takes Man City to heaven and all hail the Palace 11 who get their first win since the days of Nye Bevan. While Roy Hodgson's working wonders again, elsewhere there's a successful return for De Boer as Mourinho shuts down Saturday's big game at Anfield. We round it all up and look ahead to an exceptional midweek of matches. Bayern, Celtic, Real Madrid, Spurs, Man City, Napoli and more. All of that plus your questions. It's the Totally Football Show. Hi everybody and on board Totally Football Show today. Very special cast featuring... David Preeze. David Preeze. Yeah, David Priest in the house. Morning, Jim. Yeah, morning to you. So glad you could join us. Rafa Honigstein's here, aren't you, Rafa? I am, James. Boom, finally we agree on something. Hooray. And hello, Kelly Cates. Hello, how are you? It's been a while. I'm well, thanks. It's been a while since we... Nobody ever asks you, do they? Nobody ever asks how you feel, James. Do you know, that's... Yeah, but it's not about me, Kelly. In in this case, it's about you. We haven't seen you for ages. It is a while. Too you, long. You're a busy lady. I have a very busy lady, yeah. yes. You had a busy weekend in Liverpool. I've been, yeah, I went up to Anfield on Friday for the renaming of the centenary stand. Is it a little? Do you feel, is it a bit of a chagrin that they couldn't find something new to, to name? Had to give him something. <laughs> they could have done the new stand. <laughs> yeah, like an old stand that they had. Anyway. Just like well, it's hanging around. We might as well yeah. just do something. It, it, it's a really weird. It's a weird um, occasion because it's really lovely to see everybody. Lots of old faces there, but it's a bit like a wake without a dead body. Oh, it's kind of everybody really? sits around and says nice things about people, which well, is what yeah. normally happens when they're dead. Mm. But you know, it's nice that he's around to hear it all. Yeah. But it's very odd to have somebody speaking at their own wake. That was unsettling. Yeah. There are people who do that. Have I taken a dark turn here? No, no, not really. Because I think that's something nice to have a celebration, you know, while the person's still around. um, And the grandkids were there, which was kind of what he wanted. He spent the whole week sort of talking to everybody, saying, are you coming up? But he didn't really want any of his kids there. He wanted the grandchildren there. So that was kind of the the important things were done. That was nice, but it was a nice day for him. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely time was had by all. Oh, okay, no, it was lovely. Good. It was lovely. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we'll talk about Liverpool Man United uh, later on. Where would you like to start today, David? Is it Man City Stoke? Um, we can do that. Or yeah, let's, let's, go on then. Let's. Yeah. City really missing Sergio Aguero <laughs> and Mendy. I can't remember past last Tuesday, but for me, this is far and away the best Premier League performance I've ever seen. Ever. Ever. They were Bearing pinks. Man, I didn't start pinks. watching until about... I mean, Stoke are utterly useless. Um, are they? They held Man United to that 2-2 draw. They beat Arsenal. No, I don't, I don't like Stoke. Um, it's certainly, I think, the uh, most impressive Premier League performance of the season. OK. And uh, underlines why Manchester City were favourites for most people to win, to win a title rather than United. So which Premier League team of your, from the past, would beat this Man City side? I think... Chelsea a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago, would have a decent chance of beating them. Yeah, what was it last season they were? Well, last, last season they did pretty well. <laughs> last season, yeah, 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 they beat them last season, didn't they? Did, they were just awesome to watch, though. The confidence. There's been very few the teams precision. who have been as enjoyable to watch yeah. as City. Right, and you go back like even I don't know, you know, people say about Kevin Keegan's entertainers, but. It's that sort of level of just even now I can go watch any game I want. I want to go and see Man City. They're a massive draw now, and it doesn't matter who they're playing. You just want to see them play. You want to see them pass the ball to each other. Yeah. It's strange though that they they don't sell out more and they don't sell more tickets than they do, given how brilliant they are and given that they have a really local strong fan base and given that they had huge crowds when they dropped down fame, you know, dropped down the division. I know it's a bit of a cliche. But given how brilliant they are, is it surprising that they they don't sell out more often? That there aren't more neutrals, like you say, picking up these tickets? Should Pochettino start calling them the De Bruyne team? No, Would that be fair? No, I mean, he is their best player, but that doesn't mean he's, they're a one-player team, no. is it? I mean, they're, they're just amazing uh-huh. to watch. And they're just so much fun. The sixth goal is the one I love. When De Bruyne gets it on the right, and it, like his leg is sort of telescopic, to get the ball in the first place, it's like it stretches like Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget. It's just amazing. I just they're just amazing. And Other fun. goals you may have enjoyed were the uh, the second one finished by Sterling after thirty five touches, fifteen passes, and ten players, or Fernandinho's rather special in mm. off the bar 
uh, effort, which yeah. I think was number five. Yeah, do you know what I loved about that though? It was the the, the fact that Jack Butlin, he got a tiny touch on it to hit the, ah. hit the hit the hit the bar, and you can see sort of like as he hears the ball hit the bar, you can hear that you can see that little bit of hope in him as he turns around thinking it's it's I've saved it, it's gone off yeah. the bar, it's went away, and then just the the dejection in him, which you see it all all the hope seeping out of him visibly. Mm. That must have been about the, the toughest game any goalkeeper's faced in a long while. Just because the, the amount, of the, the speed with which they move, the ease with, with which they could get bodies into the box and then move the ball side to side. Yeah, but also it's it's an easy one just to, to push under the carpet when, you, uh, right. when you're a goalkeeper, simply because there was nothing really he could do about it. Any any goal you looked at it and try and analyse it and think, oh, maybe I could have done this better. There was nothing. Mm. I tell you, he was really good and, and he probably hasn't gotten uh, any um, any recognition as um, Ryan Sterling. David Silver's goal, I thought, it, there's no way, if I'm in Ryan Sterling's position, that I'm going to pass the ball there. And the, the fact that he's reversed the pass yeah. uh, when he's about three or four yards out, it's just brilliant awareness as well. But this is this is another reason why um, perhaps the goalkeeper just throws throws his hands up and says that this, there's no point here playing because City don't take shots, Fernandinho accepted from from hard angles. They will play and play and play until it's a, it's a tap-in. What blew my mind about this match, having having only seen the highlights, is that De Bruyne only played 66 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't aware of that, uh, which is uh, frightening. Mm. Really, he only played played two thirds of the game. You're right. We say that about goalkeepers, though. They, they practically take the goalkeeper out of the game because they, they manoeuvre the ball to get sort of just sort of in between the, the the penalty box and the six yard box on the byline. There's very little a goalkeeper do in that situation. Very little, as you say. It's almost as if Guardiola's a really good coach. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The, in, in terms of Guardiola, I think the, the point about Raheem Sterling's a great one because you look. everybody says, well, if you can go out and spend £400 million, of course you're going to win the league. But actually you see the improvement in a player like Raheem Sterling and then you realise that the, he's been brilliantly coached. Yes, it helps that you can go out and spend a fortune and they did spend a fortune on Sterling as well. But if you can then improve those players... It takes a real level of skill to make those tiny tweaks right at the top. You know, it's not about just taking players and giving them a set of instructions and expecting them to stick to the letter. To tweak players at, at that level is a is a real skill, and that's mm. clearly what Guardiola has. It's, it tweaks his... it's a real slight in English football, though, because Raheem Stone was rubbish last week. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's what everyone's opinion was after the game. Raheem Stone's rubbish. You know, he, he didn't play well at all for England. But it just shows you the difference. Uh, it's a slight in English football, and and. On really the England on, team. Yeah, and really on Gareth Southgate as well. I'm kind of contractually obliged to mention that it was about this point last season that the wheels came off mm. after a similarly impressive start, but not much prospect of that happening right now. No, there's not, and there's not many chinks in the armour, but I think one weakness now, if, the, if, if anybody's going to take advantage of it, is going to be Fabian Delph. So the first goal that came from um, Diouf uh, mm. on Saturday, when the ball was played to the uh, team on the right-hand side, um, Delph sort of he, he's tried to read the ball now in the, in the midfield area that's what he's going to do he's going to try and nip in front of people he does have to worry what's behind him because he's got some insurance behind him in this case he's trying to nip in front he's misjudged it Chiefs took the ball past him and down the right hand side and then obviously cut inside and scored but it, it's that, that's going to be one area that's going to be of some concern if there are going to be any chinks in their armour right they, they do of course have Danilo able to take up over that position possibly slightly less exciting going forward but um, still not a bad replacement yeah. to have there's still also the option to to be really quite deep mm-hmm. and then try to hit them on the on the counter attack it's easier said than done because city this year works so well in cutting out that first ball the pressing starts immediately and you don't have the time to aim properly you don't have the time as a forward to get into position so they've controlled the counter attack really well but just in terms of logic and spaces to attack and the space that they leave that might be um, a way forward and i think stoke were the classic example of how you can't play against uh, City, which is kind of a mishmash. Just sort of we press a little bit and we defend a little bit, but we're not really deep and we're not really we're not really aggressive up front. And they were just picked off. There was some great analysis yesterday on Match of the Day too, on uh, on some of the City movement and it was just simple stuff. But Stoke were completely thrown by one guy moving to the right and the other guy moving to the left. They're like, what? What's going on? It's like you're saying about De Bruyne. He, 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 he isn't half the player if he doesn't have those options around him. I mean, you look at the, even on the right-hand side, and Martin Keown was right yesterday in, on match day two, saying that that pass to Sarnia wasn't on in 99.9% of footballers. That it's, Nobody's even thinking about making that pass. Um, Napoli are Man City's next opponents. 
Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to play the way that you were suggesting there, Rafa. Napoli, no, they no. can't really, can they? Mm. Should be amazing game. Not they much. are the only side in Europe's top five leagues still with a 100% league record. This weekend they went to Roma and, and uh, won 1-0. Roma did hit the bar a couple of times. There is a suggestion, though. I mean, Napoli are a fantastic side to watch, and we were talking about this last week, the way that these two managers are so interesting the way they set their teams up the way they, the one touch football that they they play um, whether Napoli may have their sights focus more on the game next weekend against Inter who are right behind them in the table in Serie A uh, which certainly seemed to be the case in their first Champions League match this year when they almost threw the match or not threw but they, they certainly went in with an understrength team against Shakhtar and, uh, and ended up losing they but, won't do that against City surely they won't rest players well, sorry we'll we were amazed when they did it ahead of a clash with bottom of the table Benevento in, in, in the first game. But it should be a terrific game. And especially because, as you say, Rafa, it doesn't look like Napoli can do anything except come on to City. You said they won't do that, but should they, though? Did they stand a better chance playing the way that they always play? That they, that they I don't think they have the personnel to, to soak, soak up, up pressure. The pressure. Hmm. They're kind of a little bit comedy still at the back. Um, anyway... Anyway, Napoli beat Roma 1-0. And just so happens, David, that Roma this midweek are going to be at Chelsea. Who are coming off the shock of the season. I put it to you. The biggest shock ever, probably, in the Premier League ever. (laughs) In (laughs) Premier League history. History. The biggest upset in Premier League history. It kind of is, Kelly. I mean, you know, make a case for another match. Palace hadn't scored a goal, hadn't got a point all season. Champions go there. But Chelsea were poor, and I, and I and I, I just don't think they they can't be that poor again. You look at even at Gary Cahill's reaction after the game, and what he just had his head. Well, no, he just he had his head when he was when he was being interviewed, and he said that we know that we we know right from the beginning that we made mistakes early on. We just weren't at it. We weren't. There. They didn't. They don't look like a side that are that got things wrong because something deeper is wrong. They just look like they had a really bad day and. They lacked cojones. I don't don't think there was a... They were just off, weren't they? It was just one of those games. Also... Or do you think there's something... Raph's frowning at me, so I think... No, no, I'm not frowning. I'm just wondering because Conte obviously thinks it is something deeper. He thinks... Oh, he's making these noises saying that I don't have enough players. And I think that is a problematic course to take for a number of reasons because, first of all, I don't think it's going to go down well with the hierarchy. It might be the case that he's off anyway and it doesn't really matter mm. what Abramovich and, and uh, Marina think of him. But it's not a great way to, to, do, to deal with it because you kind of give your players almost excuses. Didn't Cahill say that? I think yeah. Cahill mentioned that he as did. well. But I, I've got n- no sympathy with, with them whatsoever. The fact that they've, you know, I mean, the, the, the money they've spent in the past as well, but also the, the pool of talent that they've had at their disposal that are out on loan at, at different various clubs now. The fact that they complain about, oh, our squad's not big enough. It's ridiculous. Crystal Palace, though, eh? Crystal Palace. Yeah, Conte and his Chelsea bullied almost by a, a much fitter-looking, much more interested-looking Palace. Yeah, they were they were better. Mm. They And they, they had chances. It wasn't... Now, as Roy Hodgson said, it wasn't a scrappy win. They didn't just, you know, fluke it. They had other chances. They, they I mean, they could have won by more potentially. They just, they just look like they look like Roy Hodgson's made the difference that we thought that he would in the best case scenario, which is that they look like they know what they're doing. Is it because he's had a fortnight to prepare with them while Chelsea's players were back. flying around, and they've got Zaha back? Is that what it is, Kelly? Yeah, Louis Zaha, as uh, he was yeah. ca- <laughs> captioned on Sky Sports News. Was he? Yeah. Well, it was an easy mistake to make, fun. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Zaha, uh, Zaha, is, whatever. I think there is there is something to be said um, about this Chelsea squad looking a little bit thin, a little bit predictable. Mm-hmm. I think towards the end of last season, that already teams were beginning to work out what the best way to play against them, and this this ama- amazing power that that Moses and Marcus Alonso created on the wings it was going to be very hard to repeat once you have European football um, on top of your schedule because. You know, wing back is an incredibly difficult position to play if you want to attack. If you just want to defend and be a back five, then that's that's great. But if you actually want to go forward and you're effectively the creative outlet for many times, it's hard. And, you know, there's no Morata in, in the side at the moment. No and, Moses either for most of this game. Um, exactly. And it just doesn't look, you know, you look player by player and yep. it doesn't really a side that screams goals or screams excitement or anything I mean they were so competent and they were so machine like last season 
but I don't know if they kind of just missed missed the trick in really upgrading or, the side properly. Or they came up against the Palace side that, against all expectations, have been completely motivated by a manager who we perhaps owe an apology to, Mr Roy Hodgson, who didn't cover himself in, in glory with his England exit, but certainly seems to have had a big impact on these Eagles. I liked his comments afterwards. I said, like, how are you going to celebrate this phenomenal win? He says, I don't drink an awful lot these days. Red wine isn't the best thing to drink if you want to keep your calories low, but I'll enjoy a glass tonight because I enjoyed watching my players play I well. I love the idea of Roy with a little calorie counter app yeah. just sitting there next to next to Mrs. Hodgson. How many How many of these can I Have you got your glasses, love? How many of these can I have? How many can, quite like it's that idea. Sweet, That's isn't what, it? the idea of cosy domesticity. He gave He's... Mrs Hodgson a, a bit of a treat yesterday as well, didn't he? Took her oh, s- Christ s- almighty, you've yeah. got inside information. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he take her to? It t- took the a special place. Oh, Southampton, yeah. right, yeah, that get, worked. Really, to see the game against he, he Newcastle. Did, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, like you said, he, he knows how to treat a woman, doesn't he? Right. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. would have enjoyed the second half at least. And what a yeah. game it was, yeah. Hmm. I didn't see that one, but I'm looking forward to hearing all about it a bit later on. Palace are still bottom. They're one point behind Bournemouth, four points off safety. They have Newcastle away and then West Ham at home as their next two games. Chelsea are now nine points behind Manchester City. And they've got Roma on Wednesday, a Roma side that, as I mentioned, was beaten uh, on Saturday, 1-0 by Napoli. A chance for Conte finally to see... uh, Nangolan play at uh, Stamford Bridge. That's yeah. nice. Ambition of You're his. Really rubbing it in, aren't you? <laughs> so, uh, Ro- yeah, I'm not sure about Roma in this. They might start brightly. I, I, I think Chelsea are going to get the win here. And it pains me to say it because Roma can be a very exciting team, but when anything goes wrong, they fall apart a bit. Uh, Chelsea apparently could have Morata back much earlier than expected for that. They need him. They need him. All right. That'll be coming up on Wednesday. Right now, we're going to take a little break. Then, possibly, game of the midweek. Listeners, producer Ben here, and let me give you a glimpse into my oh-so-exciting lifestyle. You see, I like nothing more than falling asleep in front of match of the day. And when I do wake up in the middle of the night on the sofa with a sore back and a stiff neck, I always think to myself, if only I'd gone up to bed before those Burnley West Brom highlights and I treated myself to a great night's sleep on a Casper mattress. See, the Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's affordable because Casper sell direct to the likes of you and me, cutting out the middleman and the showroom, and it's comfortable because of a special combination of supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. You can't go wrong with Casper. There's free shipping and you've got 100 nights to make up your mind. If you don't love your new mattress, Casper will pick it up and give you a full refund, no questions asked. Get £55 towards any Casper mattress by visiting casper.com and using the promo code TOTALLYFOOTBALL at the checkout. That's C-A-S-P-E-R.com and the promo code TOTALLYFOOTBALL without any spaces. Terms and conditions apply. Live news, everybody. We're playing the O2 on Wednesday the 29th of November. Comedy's Kevin Bridges will be joining us there as our very special guest. He's just back from a sellout tour of Australia, New Zealand and Asia... So that's nice, and he's a funny man. Funny. Uh, Rafa, you're going to be joining us, I believe, then? Yes. All right, well, you'll enjoy that. Just to up the comedy ante a bit. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be a great evening. And if you'd like to snaffle up some of the few remaining tickets, the o2.co.uk slash events. Similar story with the Birmingham show that we're doing on whenever that is, Wednesday the 8th of November, down to kind of very scatterings, a few handfuls of tickets. Kelly, do you like Kevin Bridges? I love Kevin Bridges. Do you? Genuinely? Yeah, I genuinely absolutely love Kevin Bridges. Yeah, All right. I think he's brilliant. Great. I know, but would you like me to offer more? I'm not very good at comedic analysis, but yeah. No, I mean... That's either either of me. comedy or in a comedic way. Mm. You would like... Well, Kevin Bridges is very, very, very funny. And you can see him live. Listen. And you can see him live. That's yeah. very exciting. With us. Uh, at the he's live. He, he knows his football as well. Yeah, does he? he does. He's yeah. a big yeah. Barcelona yeah. fan, isn't he? Yeah, I thought he was Celtic fan Yeah, well. but he's a massive... He? Uh, for some reason. Right. Best fast. Champions League game of the midweek. There's so many to choose from. Now, we have talked up Man City-Napoli, but I'm ever so excited about Real Madrid's clash with Spurs mm. on Tuesday at the Bernabeu. Two of the competition's deadliest strikers. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Harry Kane, that's who I'm talking about there. Mm. Maybe, yeah, what do you think? Oh, Harry Kane's got five goals after two match days. What? What? I want to see Spurs on Saturday against Bournemouth. Yeah? Yeah. That was fun. 
Do you know what? It was interesting to watch it. I mean, it was quite boring first half, mm. but from a, a tactical perspective, it was quite interesting, actually, because everyone thought before the game that Bournemouth Woods, they, they, they couldn't play this uh, defensive football that was required at Wembley. Right. The likes of Swansea and Burnley have mm-hmm. come away with points from. And they but, lost. Yeah, but they did lose, but I thought they did really well. And then, and it's, it, it, to me, it's, it seems it's Eddie Howe. Mm. He's changed his philosophy a little bit, and it's kind of the case of where the operation went well, but the the patient died anyway. Right. So, so yeah, you're going glass half full on that. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, because just because you can see that he's he's trying to change things now. I mean, afterwards, in the another patient soon might live. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The more he does it, the better he gets at it. All right. But but it's just with with with, sorry with Bournemouth. Yeah. he said after the game that they play this attack in football, they used to have having more chances. Mm. But the fact that they changed this time to sort of to to swamp the midfield, mm. it almost worked because I mean Begovic until later on didn't have a lot to do. They defended quite well. All right, excellent. Here's something I forgot to ask you, Rafa, on behalf of Thomas Burkan, who says is Thomas Tuchel going to replace Antonio Conte at Chelsea soon? Uh, I don't know about soon, but. If reports are right, and if the kind of the, the noises and the rumours around Stamford Bridge are right that Conte will go um, mm. at the end of this year, then of course there is there is a demand for somebody coming in. I think Tuchel is somebody that uh, Chelsea have thought about before. There was some loose contact in June when there was a danger that Conte might actually pack it in and and leave before the start of the season. It didn't really get to any real kind of negotiation or anything like that. So uh, when when there will be a shortlist for next year, I think he'll he'll probably feature. Okay. But, um, Nothing more specific than that. No, because I don't think Chelsea have already made real uh, preparations for Conte succession, but they are beginning to think of who would would be a person to interview, and I'm sure they will talk to him. Then why why wouldn't they? Why indeed. Anyway, sorry. Back to um, maybe Carlo as well. Carlo Ancelotti. No, I don't think so. Stranger things have happened, Rafa. Yeah, it's true. Back to this Real Madrid against Spurs thing, mm. because while Spurs were enjoying a narrow 1-0 win, because of Christian Eriksen at Wembley, their first league win at Wembley, actually, Real Madrid were beating Getafe 2-1. You know, and Ronaldo got a goal. That was his first league goal of the, of the season, actually. Yes. Uh, in that win. How big a test is this? Just throwing this out there. How big a test is this for Pochettino, one of the emerging names in world football management? How big a test um, is this? I mean, the whole group stage for him is a big test with mm. Dortmund and uh, and Real Madrid. And already they beat Dortmund at Wembley, which is a, was a huge um, bonus and a, and a great way to start the campaign, especially after the really disappointing outing last year where, you know, everything you have to say in, in, in Pochettino's favour, who pound by pound is be- by, by far the best manager in, in the Premier League um, for what, he, what he's working with and what he gets out of them. Um, there was a kind of a caveat over his head with the Champions League. I think this year they're showing that they've grown and they can even get out of a group stage, which, which is really, really tricky with Dortmund and Real Madrid. So anything they can pick up from there would be would be a huge bonus. Um, they might not have to get any points from, from those two games against Real Madrid to still qualify because of their great start. So it's not a kind of a must win. But I think especially the the coaches like the international coaches they always see themselves in relation to other Champions League coaches and want to show on the stage that they can uh, mix it up with the with the big boys and I'd be really interested to see how how Spurs approach this game because I think it's going to be very very hard as as Dortmund have found to try and press this Real Madrid midfield because they're so unbelievably good uh, in keeping the ball uh, they're just pressing resistant. You put two men on them and they still just wriggle out, just a turn of the shoulder and Modric goes or Kroos goes. And that is so demoralising for any team that tries to push. And then the gaps are opening up. So whether they can do, you know, play kind of an underdog game and go really deep and then try and uh, hit hit them long, like they did very successfully against Dortmund, maybe it wasn't even a plan. Maybe it was something that Dortmund forced them to do, but it worked so well. Uh, in at first half against Dortmund at Wembley, uh, that'd be really interesting to see if they, they adopt a similar style. That's Tuesday then, a match you can see as part of the um, all-encompassing goals show, Rafa, which Indeed, you'll be James. lending your expertise to 
Sorry, can, can I chat something about the um, about you saying about Pochettino there, saying whether he's, he's going to change his tactics to, to suit the game and to, to play a different style? I think it's a massive thing at the minute that some some managers are stubborn against their own sort of their own good simply because they, they have such a belief in the way they play. Mm. I was talking about Eddie Howe changing a little bit. All right, mm-hmm. they lost one nil, but Peter Bosch did the same thing. He he stuck to his guns mm. and paid the price for it. When, when when clearly you could see that it, it, they'd been watching Spurs before that. It's yeah. cl- clear to see that the way to, to keep them at bay was to... Well, he did the same thing defend. this weekend against Leipzig and they lost at home the first time in 41 games. He came out afterwards and he said the same thing that um, coaches like Klopp, even Guardiola say, who are so in belief of their own system that they always say the problem was the application. Yeah. He said even Dortmund didn't play well, he said, of his own team. Um, so I don't think I mean some guys are so extreme when it comes to their system they're so convinced that the system is right and if there's any problems it's not the system it's the the way that the people uh, fail to grasp the niceties of it or just don't apply themselves well enough and they're they're just not talking to them I mean Guardiola was exactly the same even though he was actually far more flexible than, than people gave him credit for with the way he played but whenever they lost, the first thing people were saying was, well, the system is too open, it's too naive. And he always says, no, that's not the point. The point is that we didn't control the counterattack. We didn't uh, cut out that first ball. If we do it properly and then there is no counterattack, then we don't have that conversation. So you can't get into these, you can't get these guys to change. I don't know. I don't think Pochettino is as dogmatic. I think he's far more willing to negotiate his principles. It's one thing I quite admire about Mourinho, that fact that it, the, the he has this such big ego, mm. but he, he, it's not big enough to think, well, I can play this way. And sometimes, I mean, he enjoys playing that way to, ch- to change. He's probably been looking at that game against Liverpool and thinking, I can't wait until we can do this. He was never going to play any other way than, than what he did on Saturday. No. Anyway, speaking of that Liverpool game, hey, David, your boy De Gea, he did all right, didn't he? On yeah, the, on the one big chance. Yeah, and um, it was. I mean, it was a good weekend for goalkeepers. Some oh, great right. saves. Yeah, Lloris made an unbelievable mm. save. Um, the ball cross came in, come off there. Eric dies back, and great reaction down his left. But it was exactly the same. But a lot of keepers wouldn't have saved that. Uh, the made the save that the game made simply because because it's it's not cl- really close to him. It's obviously it's about a yard, yard and a half away from him. A lot of t- keepers would be tempted to go with their hand and and just you. Economic wise, you're not going to uh, you're not going to be able to get there with your hand. So and he always shoots a foot out, and it goes against what you're taught as a goalkeeper. When you're goalkeeper, you goalkeeper, you get taught to be on your sort of the balls of your feet or forward all the time. Right. Now to make that sort of saves, you've got to change your your position, rock back on your heels, and then and shoot a leg out. Has he made a conscious decision somewhere somewhere along his path as a goalkeeper to be? I'm going to be the guy who uses his feet. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's to do with futsal. I don't know whether he, he did play futsal a lot when he was younger, but it's very much a futsal technique. Mm. Um, but it, sometimes when, when the shot's coming from further away mm. uh, and the ball's just out of reach, it can look a little bit lazy, which, which some people do criticise him for. But more often than not, it, it, it's a successful one. On the subject of that game, because it was a big one at Anfield, a lot of people saying, oh, nil-nil is... As usual, I actually I, I thought the first half particularly was quite quite entertaining. Some chances, if only they changed that grey shirt at half time, then who knows mm. what could have match mm. we could have been in for. I don't think it was nearly as bad as people made out. It I wasn't. Was, I no. was fairly entertained. Yeah, and although there is a there is a case for saying Mourinho faced with a Liverpool defence with as many problems as it's had, and lacking Lallana and, and above all Sadio Mane, should he not have gone for it? Was this not an occasion to think? No, I can really punish them. What do you think there, Kelly? And it's a Manchester United side that have scored 21 goals mm. this season. I mean, I know a lot of them have come late on in the game after, what, 80 minutes or so. But that, I mean, maybe they... You know why that didn't happen? Fellaini out injured. Yes, no late goals. But but but, the, but I just think, it. look, we know, as you said, you don't expect Mourinho to go and do anything different. But if he is going to do it, surely this would be the game in which he could he could take a risk. Like the last, even the last, you know, when, when they say we're going up against a tired defence, Manchester United getting all these late goals this season. But I, I, I don't, I, I know that's what he does and asking him to change is futile, but I don't understand it. I don't understand that but thinking. The fact that he's seen the whole season, the way he's seen this match, so he's playing reactive football, he's just... He, Basically, if he's if he's playing table tennis, he's just knocking it back over the other side of the net, just getting it back over. He's not uh, he's not taking any the fancy Michael shots. Chang yeah, exactly. Yeah, approach. 
He just makes sure he gets it back over the net. And all he's waiting for, he's waiting for Mourinho to be uh, Mourinho to be out of position. He's waiting for Lovren to give him a chance. He's waiting for Gomez to show a bit of experience like he did and, and uh, be out of position. That's what he's waiting for. He's just waiting for that. And he's going to do this with Manchester City. In, instead of looking at it and saying, oh, well, we need to keep up with them. They're on fire now. We need to make sure we get three points so we don't fall too. He, he's waiting for playing the long game, just thinking, well, we're going to stick in there and make sure that he's we get He's being get the a tortoise to their hair. There in, we go. Yeah. In, in a certain Can sense. Can he do that, though, this season? Can he? Because if he goes to Manchester City and does that, they'll find a way past, won't they? Well, if he, if he did that last season and wait for Manchester City to make mistakes, then he probably would have won the title. If if they if they had Lukaku last year, no, yeah, possibly. Mm, I don't know. I think I think different I, this season. I think that obviously you can you can always make the argument that the system or the idea worked to the extent that they were very solid, but when they used the ball, they used it very poorly, which was obviously not by design. I think. I mean, there have been Mourinho teams who wanted to give the ball away on purpose. Because I said having the ball is is, is very dangerous. We yeah. don't want the ball. Our players are not good enough with football. Yeah, but this this is not the case. I mean, yeah. you had players on the pitch, in Mkhitaryan, in Martial, who, you know, you would have expected to do something with the ball, but the ball almost immediately came straight back. They were very poor in possession. Matic, I thought, had a really ropey game. The point being that I don't think that Mourinho wanted his team to be so. Um, ineffectual going forward he had a, he had a he had an idea mm. and uh he obviously as he as he later admitted which was quite interesting he he expected liverpool to make more mistakes and to provide more space than they did and it didn't come off i'm wondering maybe i'm i'm beginning to be as just as cynical as he is but i'm wondering how much this absolute need not to lose was mixed up with this new message that's come out today that um, he's not really sure about United and maybe wants to go to PSG and he's not getting the backing um, and maybe you know he needed so desperately to get some sort of result to pedal that, to pedal to that line the fact that people might be talking about the performance no I don't think he cares no, I, don't I don't think so he either. cares about the performance I think he did he, he takes delight in in going whittling places and chips. spoiling. Going with what we're saying about managers not changing before because of, of what Klopp said afterwards, he said he would never play like that. Or when he was asked what it he could, said, could he you do. You couldn't play at Liverpool like that, which I don't know if it's that's necessarily true, but it was we a great could play line. play away from home then. It was a great line. They, but they couldn't but they couldn't play at home like that in yep. a game. They could play away from home. Oh, I don't day. know. I remember some Benitez performances. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, Klopp gets his first clean sheet in seven matches. Although it is now, what is it? One win, one win in eight, I think. Yeah. For Liverpool United midweek, Liverpool have got uh, Maribor. They're going to go to Slovenia. That's exciting. Mm. But they won two one at the weekend in the Slovenian league. Uh, whereas Man United are going to be in Portugal taking on Benfica in a repeat of the nineteen sixty eight final. Yeah. Nostalgia fans, uh, Benfica who. Um, Sold off their defence in the summer, lost 5-0 against Basel in the last round of Champions League action. So you'd probably favour United, would you mm. there? Is that one? They might have a chance. They might have a chance. I don't think they will win. Against Maribor? I don't no. think they win. I think it'll be 0-0. No, come yeah. on. I'm against Maribor? Pretty so spoken. Yeah. Why? Be, well, because they're, they're decent. A tough place to go to. They're decent defensively. They've got a decent goalkeeper. He's getting on a bit now, Andanovic, Samir's cousin. Did you, did you know that? Well, this is just a useless fact I'm throwing out there. But Slovenia, there's mm. five of the Slovenian squad mm. all grew up in the same uh, block of flats. Together, really? And all went to the, and all went to uh, all went to school together. The Slovenian national squad. Yeah, five of them: Handanovic, Ilic, um, Branko, um, Ljubljanov. Am I right in that? And yeah, it's Brian. five. Of them, yeah, it's five. We're pl- not going to check. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's five players. They all. Uh, Group in the same That's got to be the greatest kind of concentration of football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there were decent clubs as well. Kievo, um, Bruges, mm. uh, obviously into Handanovic. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Nice one, David. Nice That's one. All right, well, let's just park that for a second and then come back with more. Do you know what? It's been a broad ranging and freewheeling chat this and I've uh, there's loads of things I should mention but Rafa you were talking a little bit about what happened with Borussia Dortmund this weekend yeah I mean I'm I'm confident in saying that that was 
indeed the best game of the Bundesliga season so far. The Borussia Dortmund Leipzig game. Yeah, yeah. Why? That was spectacular. Uh-huh. I mean, it had everything. It had five goals, two sendings off, two teams who were playing um, ultra aggressive pressing style. It had that big ideological kind of conflict. Um, you know, there was a fan fan protest against Leipzig before the game. It was all peaceful. From the Dortmund fans? Yeah, from Dortmund fans. All very peaceful. Are they still doing that? Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, but, of course, it added a bit of uh, extra needle to the game. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was hugely entertaining and some some really, really good football being played. Excellent. Leipzig are going to be taking on... Is it Porto? Yes, they got Porto, yeah. All right. But the story with that defeat for league-leading Borussia Dortmund is that Bayern Munich are back in the title picture. Now... They uh, unveiled their new kind of dawn. <laughs> yeah, Jupp new progressive return. young manager. Yeah, seventy-two-year-old Jupp Heynckes, who, who, who begins with a five-nil thrashing of Freiburg. Yeah, I mean it was Freiburg, and uh, Thomas Müller said um, we can't really start singing hymns just yet. Please excuse us, but. It was interesting to see that, A, uh, of course, he kind of mm, turned back the clock and almost had a sort of 2013 style and team playing. Uh, Martinez was back in a, in a holding position, something he hadn't played in years. Um, very strong emphasis on, on the wingers and the fullbacks. And uh, they showed a reaction. I think the team felt that they had to do something to back the new manager. I think there was a huge emotional and personal connection with him and... He's already changed the atmosphere around the dressing room and, more importantly, perhaps in the boardroom. Wow. Where their, things were so fraught and so complicated that he has acted as a peace, peacemaker, I think, and really calmed things down. And everyone loves him. Everyone gets on with him. And in Peter Hermann, his assistant coach, possibly the most expensive assistant coach in, in European football because Bayern paid 2 million euros for Dusseldorf to get him right. out of his contract, has, in those few days, actually uh, put some sessions together that look like real practice sessions again. There is pace. Here we go. There is... Um, the, I mean, all the players lined up after You and your Ancelotti agenda. Um, it's not an agenda. I mean, it was, it was remarkable to hear the players talk about very simple things mm. but say, finally we have football training sessions again. <laughs> Did you know, James, that yes. some of them met up privately to play in the park because they didn't get enough really? football Which on Ancelotti? Which park did they go and play in? I think in Englischer Garten. This really? Is, this is absolutely true. Uh-huh. They, they felt that the training was so lax that they didn't do enough so they privately met to play more football. That's remarkable. That is a remarkable story. I grant, grant you, they got their first win in three matches anyway against Freiburg. Now, we were positing, perhaps a little bit, hopefully, that the upheaval in Bavaria might open the door for some kind of upset for Celtic, who are going to be facing Bayern next in the Champions League, back-to-back It's a little back bit too late. If met, him bef- met Ancelotti's Bayern, and right. yes, I think now it's going to be hard. I mean, this this was not... A perfect performance. Bayern looked a little bit vulnerable in the first half. They conceded three good chances. You could see that some of the uh, balance wasn't quite there. Um, and Dupankas uh, addressed it afterwards. Um, but there is so much more kind of urgency and uh, and uh, and a sense of common purpose on this pitch. Um, it really was quite quite interesting to see. And I think at home. It'll, it'll be hard. It'll be very hard. For, I mean, Bayern being at home, it'll be very hard for Celtic How to get How big anything. an impact do you think your Heinkers can have on Bayern? For example, Ram S says, if Bayern win the Champions League, would it be the greatest comeback story for a manager ever? Uh, it probably would be, yeah. If, but if it's not impossible, is it? I mean, is there, is not there a, talent there? It's not impossible. I mean, the squad, I think there was a lot of stuff written about the squad in the wake of Ancelotti leaving as if, you know, he'd become the victim of Bayern's failure to give him a decent squad. But you look at the squad... Yes, you have two players who are a little bit old, but that's two players. Um, the rest of these these players are World Cup winners. Uh, they're players that can play, and any big team in, in in the world would have a decent chance of playing for them. So I I don't see that. I the the problem was that they had no real um, tactical cohesion, no real um, sense of what it, what it is they wanted to do. And then if you want to just play an individual football or mm. sort of go out and express yourself, for that they weren't individually good enough. And you saw that 
Um, last year, you saw it against PSG. They they don't have superstars up front who can play that kind of game and to let you off. But I think if they develop that kind of togetherness that they've seemed to have backed, they, they might have a decent chance. All right. Well, they're home to Celtic. Mm. Kelly, can I ask you about Celtic? You can ask me if you, can ask me if you like. But Celtic, I think question mark. Look, it's... it's Exactly as Raf says. I mean, they, they've got Scott Brown back, I think, for this game. They've improved slightly in, in Europe this season. They got a good win away. They, you know, they, they look better, but they're going to Bayern Munich. And they're not going to, as you said, Bayern Munich under Ancelotti. They're going to Bayern Munich as they were. So, look, same, same as against PSG. It's possible, but it's not likely. Mm. All right, then. Uh, moving on, anyway. Let's return to the sunny climbs of the Premier League. And one of the more interesting games this weekend, I put it to you, Kelly, was Sir Watford's 2-1 win over Arsenal. An Arsenal side that had gone through September unbeaten, not only unbeaten, but without conceding a single goal in the Premier League. That was until they encountered Watford and Troy Deeney and his big cojones. Yes. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. I'd, 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 he's been on. widely hailed because he came out and said something, which I appreciate, you know, that player says something after match. But it's not new. We had spoke to him on the, the, the thing. Apparently, no, but bit... he said it about mm. he, he said it um, yeah. about Arsenal. Um, interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, and he he was saying exactly the same thing. When you're playing against Arsenal, you look at them and you realise that some of those players just aren't up for it. It's also not the first person to say it about Arsenal. Birmingham players said it after they beat them in the League mm. Cup final years ago. This is it's not new. It's interesting that he says it. He was very strong in the way that he said it. But he's not told us anything. We don't. Maybe it's just the fact that players don't often come out and criticise other teams, yeah. and and that's what. But but he's criticised them before. Other players have criticised Arsenal for the same thing, and Arsenal fans are just sick of hearing it. Aren't and to they? be fair, Mertesacker kind of backed it up by saying they wanted it more. They they were better. But the thing is, it's not, it's not a real criticism of Arsenal. I don't think it's more something about themselves, more about Watford, the way they approach the games. A lot of teams, I know. Uh, like playing against sort of great Celtic sides in the past, mm. you go into the uh, into the games with a certain sort of uh, I don't know. We're thinking that it's going to be a difficult game that you're going to defend, but it's it's about yourself. It changes the whole dynamic of the game if you just go out there and you take the game to the opposition, mm. especially at home when uh, playing at home. You probably think they've got a great chance of beating Arsenal. And the, like I said, it's not a real criticism of Arsenal. It's about themselves and, and the fact that uh, the way they have approached the games in the past against them. Well, right. That's why Silva's getting all the plaudits, isn't he? Because he's setting them up and saying, do you know what, you go out and, and sort of firing them up as individuals and saying, go out and get into Arsenal because there's a chance there to... And, yeah. and making, them, making them believe that. Absolutely. And even when things don't go for them, maintaining that belief, and then things did go for them with that Richarlison penalty, the merits or demerits of which I don't particularly want to get into. But did you know... Uh, David, that Petr Cech has never saved a penalty for Arsenal in any competition. Mm. I did not. Never. That, yeah. Is it remarkable or not? It is for somebody of his stature. It is. Mm. Let me just tell you that Watford have gone up to fourth, and Arsenal haven't, and they're having the best ever start to a top-flight season. Ooh, they're going to be at Chelsea next. Can they, David? Watford, brilliant on the road under Marco Silva. Can they at Stamford Bridge next weekend? Yes, they can. Bingo. RM says, my question is, how would you fix Arsenal and make them competitive again? Who wants to answer this? Uh, how much time have you got? Not lot, not much. We, really, not very much at all. Is there uh, how would I solution? fix them? I would um, try to get rid of the owner. Okay. This is hard, difficult. Right. Um, hire a sporting director. Yes. And then look for a new manager. Okay. Let me ask you, Rafa, then about another story. Mesut Ozil leaving in January. Have you heard anything about that? I have not, no. Um, but I think it's it's only uh, logical for Arsenal to think that if both players absolutely refuse to sign a new deal mm. and uh, they're not really making a big difference, certainly not in Ozil's case at the moment, that we absolutely have to to, to keep them, why not make a few million euros in January? Absolutely. Can you pronounce his name again? Mesut Ozil. 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 Okay. Yeah. A little bit more on that. Mm. Okay. Uh, Arsenal are going to be in Serbia on Thursday for that Europa League where they will be entertained by uh, Red Star Belgrade. The Maracana. Indeed. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, also in the Europa League, Everton are hosting Lyon. Everton very much bottom of their group, making the worst start to a Europa League campaign ever by a Premier League side. Atalanta, who got beaten this weekend by Sampdoria. Western Blackburn. Yeah. Did you not say European campaign? 
No, I think I said Europa, but they're oh. quite close because yeah, you know. Sorry. And then Milan are up against AEK. There's loads of games. Nice Lazio, that could be quite an interesting game. Lazio, by the way, just beat Juventus this weekend. First team to win at Juventus in over two years that mm. wasn't Juventus. First visiting team. Mm. Um, and they just look, they look so impressive. I didn't realise Lazio were that good. They look bigger than Juventus. They look stronger than Juventus. Having said that, they would have only drawn if Dybala had put that penalty away at the end. Juve are hosting Sporting. Other Champions League matches include Barcelona at home to Olympiacos, Ernesto Valverde against his former side, David. I'd forgotten really? he was there. At, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Atletico Madrid, who drew with Barcelona 1-1 this weekend, will be in Azerbaijan, land of fire, as their shirts proclaim. That'll be quite a, They'll be conflicted over that one, won't they? They're against the motherland as they take on Carabag. Uh, super. Anything else from the from midweek you want to mention, Raf? Mm, no, okay. so, but the yes. Bundesliga is under pressure after they managed to lose every single game. Yes. Uh, match day two. Mm. I think with Bayern playing Celtic and Dortmund playing Apoel, um, there is a chance to rectify this. You'd hope. Yeah. By the way, I mentioned Lazio beating Juventus, which was on Saturday afternoon. A terrific performance from Lazio. Sunday evening, because there were three huge games in City this weekend. Don't, did you see the Milan derby at all? I did, I did see most of the second half. Oh, wasn't it good? I don't know. I actually, this might sound really contrarian and weird, but I was from a you? bit disappointed. Um, I, thought, um, I thought they didn't water the pitch or something. The ball moved so slowly. It's Italian football, Rafa. No, 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 no. It really isn't. Um, I don't know. Just the quality from Milan on the ball was. I expected more after all the money that they spent. They look very ordinary. Have Inter, you seen them match this season? Hmm? Have you seen Milan? No, match this season? no, I hadn't. For no, them in a the big first game. team I've seen it. Uh, first time I've seen them uh, properly. They're not. Uh, they're not a slick outfit. No, I mean Inter, have... Inter on the ball looked hmm. like they know what they were doing. There were some interesting runs. You could see that they play like a team. Uh, with Milan, it was all a bit, you know, one guy starts running and then the other guy starts running and then we'll see, maybe we can just yeah, they're still play some to, kind of ball into Montella's the Montella's still putting the pieces together and I hope he gets I given know, time. I was, I was disappointed. Really? And I say this as somebody who's been actually really enjoying mm-hmm. Serie A recently and think that's been one of the most entertaining leagues. Right. Um, but yesterday, yes, uh, entertaining as a spectacle, but I think football was actually pretty poor. Really? Okay. Mm. With three two, it finished. Milan twice came from behind to equalise, but then a, a, a late penalty again. Uh, Icardi, by the way, he got a hat trick. Uh, his second goal. Stuart Smith says that finish from Icardi was something else. Can't wait to hear your take on this. You saw that, Rafa? It was in the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a miss, miss hit, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a. Be- <laughs> no, no. He adjusts his his body beautifully. First time, uh, and, uh, and yeah. first time that uh, shades of Di Canio, mm. uh, but with the mm. ball coming from the side rather right. than more from. The Were you impressed with Cotrone? Uh, he came on. Did you not think he real talent? No, people are raving about him. Oh, I like him. I anyway, know. well, the uh, Milan. Anyway, you can Icardi see looked looked sensational. Icardi. I mean, yeah. he looked like he was really somebody who should be mentioned a lot more and talked about as one of the most exciting number nines in European football. Well, there you go. There you go. Indrical's not featuring in any European competition this midweek. Uh, other teams that are include Besiktas, who'll be visiting Monaco, who are having a rotten time of it in the Champions League, and Paris Saint-Germain, who'll be travelling to Pointless Andelect, who are now coached by Hein van Heesbroek. Uh, PSG are now six points clear, excitingly, in Ligue 1, Kelly. Very exciting and completely unexpected. Did you see that it shocked goal? me. Did you see the goal that Dijon scored in, in their 2-1 defeat by PSG this weekend? Yes, I did see Ah, it. David, yeah. you saw it, yeah. Do, do you know what the best part about it wasn't even the volley? It, right. it was the knee slide to the camera. It was timed <laughs> to perfection. Very yeah. nice. Benjamin Genot. Is that who it was, or yeah. Or something mu- like yeah, that, yeah. Mustard, Stunning volley in the 87th minute to equalise. But Meunier came back and uh, got his second. And yeah. Anyway, tell you what... Let's leave all that fancy and continental stuff to the side because there's some honest, raw Premier League action that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, for example, Brighton Everton, which was witnessed by Ian McIntosh. Oh, hang on. Hello, Ian. Morning. Morning to you. Uh, Rooney rescues point. Mm. 
at yes. the Amex. I think he's done Cooman quite the favour there because they were dreadful yesterday. Really? And I'm not sure if Cooman would have survived losing 1-0 to Burnley and then Are we at that point Brighton. already? I think we're very close. So how much difference does that Rooney penalty make then? Well, I think it buys them a little bit of time. I mean, they've got Arsenal next weekend. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but they're... You just can't see any improvement there. They're so slow. And you've got to say, coming up against Brighton, who are, diplomatically speaking, one of the more conservative outfits in the league, did they really need two defensive central midfielders there? They've got Tom Davis sitting on the bench, who's one of the few people in the squad with the mobility to get up and down. Um, it's not getting any better. Everton mm. fans are worried that they, they don't have a plan. Yeah. The, the players who are on there, other than having two holding midfielders or two deep line midfielders, other than that, well, they haven't really got they haven't really got a plan. They don't know what the hell these players are, are playing to. Did you see it? No, I think this season. Well, actually, I did at the beginning. Um, they were because when Brighton go compact and deep, it's very very difficult to get through them, um, and they're very very good at that. So they were so wide, Everton. They had both fullbacks and both wingers right out with chalk on their boots, but it only seemed to last about ten to fifteen minutes, and they didn't really get anywhere with it. I mean, it was Adrisa Gay with the only two half chances they had in the first half Rooney was barely in the game when he was he you know demonstrated that bit of invention and experience they wanted from him but I think um, he he touched the ball almost the fewest number of times of any Everton player uh, it's really not looking good there at all they gave, if sorry they, they gave the ball away a lot as well didn't they mm, for, well, for somebody who's got like for a team that's got a lot of players behind the ball as well they, especially in gear yeah but I mean both teams were guilty of that it was not a good first half or indeed a first 82 minutes very <laughs> if, little going if on. the situation is already precipitous as regards Ronald Koeman's in, involvement in their project going forward and other buzz phrases who do you think they might have lined up to take over <laughs> well there's been all sorts of names linked with them over the weekend including Joe Royal which would be a bit of a surprise <laughs> if your penkers can do it at Bayern he why was not the, was the last so man I, to win um, silver were there yeah I mean, there's, there's talk. I mean, David Moyes is out of a job, isn't Ooh. he, at the moment? <laughs> Depending on whether or not he's offered that. David Unsworth is yet. a name that keeps getting mentioned, yeah, which is interesting because he's doing really well with the under 23s. And if they've got all those young Everton players that they want to bring through, he's a player that they're they're sort of talking about. But I, mean, I also think I, mean, I don't know how seriously he's thought of at board level, but certainly there's a conversation that people are having. They do have an exceptional under 18s and yeah. under 23s side. But I've been thinking this season is probably going to be the season the season for Sean Deitch to step up. Ooh. He would be perfect there. What, you mean to abandon Burnley and, and just kind not, of... Not abandon, but sometimes, you know, you can be somewhere for a really long time <laughs> doing a really good job and you just want to take new opportunities <laughs> elsewhere where there's I freedom would, and potential. I'll tell you what, I would regard that in a dimmest light possible. Would you, would you say that's treacherous? I think so, wouldn't you? I mean, what about the people he's going to leave behind? All the work they put in together. See, I was, anyway. I was unaware of all of this. I didn't know anything when I, when I came to this. But Everton. <laughs> uh, that's fascinating. Uh, that's not a topic you're going to be talking about, though, in your show coming Tuesday, are you? No. But I bet, Ian, you are going to be talking about Wolves going top of the Championship. Yeah, we've got a lot of that. Probably How good were they at the oh, weekend? Brilliant. And um, they're really so hungry to mm. lead hungry into like. a, yeah, yes. I- inevitable. Oh. Um, uh, but that, that's Hunting the thing. in packs, yeah. <laughs> when you Did get they get their tails up? But how many more? <laughs> there were, any howlers? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when you get a collection of players from... Where were they? <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Brought together so quickly to get that kind of... Um, that, that team dynamic yeah. going so quickly is, is very rare indeed. But it's the improvement oh. in the players who are already there as well, yeah. isn't it? That's the, They've improved the players around them. Anyway, Cody. more of that kind of thing <laughs> on Tuesday... <laughs> <laughs> when you'd also no doubt be talking about Derby beating yeah. Nottingham Forest, no, a little, you? are a you little. going to discuss the Amiobi brothers, uh, Amiobi brothers rather, Shola and Sammy, both scoring on the same day for the first time since August 2013? Not really. Okay, we'll, we'll who's your guest going to be? Yeah. Well, we've got Gregor Robertson coming in. Does one of the best Ooh. columns in the Monday broadsheets. Um, he's a former Chesterfield player, and we're starting with Chesterfield because they're 92nd. But you know, I watched them lose at home to Morecambe on the tape earlier today. Mm. I think there's green shoots there. I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's not unrecoverable. Mm. All right. Um, we'll also... Because with Chesterfield, you kind of expect them to get a stuffing, don't you? Mm. Like a sofa, is that the joke? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. So, that would have, I should have worked that in. Kelly, brilliant. We'll go back and we'll, we'll do a retake afterwards, yeah. Ben. Yeah. Ian, anything else? Yes. We sent ah. Matt Stanger to Oldham. 
All so right. we'll be talking about that because if Paul Scholes gets that job, there's no justice in the world. Should be Richie Wellens. But he, but Richie Wellens though says that he's very happy to go and work under Paul Scholes. In fact, he would love to go and work under. Would you like Paul Kelly to come and join you on your show? Yeah, definitely. Bingo! There you go, <laughs> Kelly. Present it. Be a marked improvement. Listeners to footballing podcasts will know that there's enough tough decisions to make these days without having to worry about which razor to use. So why don't you take the hassle out of your shaving routine by signing up with our pals Cornerstone. Never run out of blades, never need to shop again, just let them know how often you shave and they'll take care of the rest. Get £10 off your first order and find out more about your perfect shave box at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. Rafa what? Yeah, Newcastle, Sun- Newcastle Southampton, Southampton, Sunderland, Southampton, Newcastle. Not Sunderland, Southampton. Uh, Mikel Marino making his move from Dortmund permanent for only six point five million. That's mm, a nine bargain. million euros. Uh, in other Newcastle, yeah, I didn't see this game because I went to see three billboards outside Ebbing, mm. Missouri, which is so good, really so good. Um, but I do know that prior to this match. They had a training ground spat at Newcastle, where they have a long and, and storied tradition of, of training ground, ground mm-hmm. spats. This one was between Jamal Lascelles and Mo, Mo Diame, and it resulted in John Joe Shelby wearing a cast to protect a broken finger. I'd love to know what happened there. Well, I'd like to know as well, but everyone keeps saying that these things happen all the time in training and that yes. they're nothing, but they do mean something. What do they mean, David? Well, it just means that there's some tension within the squad. Isn't this the kind of passion that you want in your... Well, not really. I mean, uh, like I said, people see it happens all the time, but it doesn't. No. You know? and, and if something does happen, there's generally because something is wrong within the group. What do you think is wrong within the group? Well, they just don't get on together. Oh. I mean, you've got, you've, normally in dressing room, you've got 25 lads who are, who are going to get on well with, better with some than you are with others. Mm. And sometimes it boils over. Right. But How many I, times in your career did you see events of this nature? How it, often? Quite often, it, well, if it did happen, it was around the time when teams were struggling. Right. So then it would sort of boil over into training. There would be frustrations. and, But, it, it, yeah, I mean... It's... Ironically, though, they're not struggling, Newcastle. They're up in ninth now with that point from the uh, trip to St Mary's. Well, that's why... It's, it's the only reason why it's surprising, because they do seem to have, like, a, a sort of good team, good team togetherness. Yeah. And, and but there have re- been long-running tensions in the squad, haven't there? But I thought they got rid of all the, you know, the kind of main culprits of it, but it just shows it's... It's still simmering away. Wasn't Shelby sort of the peacemaker? Because he's normally right in the middle Quite of it. Quite fiery. Yeah. Mm. Well, usually that he saves that for matches, though, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, we managed to avoid any discussion of the game, but I, I'm quite well, happy to sit here speculating on who <laughs> hit, slapped who. Well, it, Fraser Forster did come in for a little bit of criticism yesterday. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't... Uh, What's happened to his, his form? Because Well, do you know what? It, it, he had the, the ACL injury that he come back from. And right. when he initially came back, he did look in really good shape, but he's bulked up. Yeah, uh, use that time well to bulk up. He, he probably was lacking sort of uh, in sort of power and strength, but it also at that time you, you're not because you're not goalkeeper training. You're not sort of having that flexibility and agility training in with it. Right. So it can lately become like a little bit stiff, and he, he kind of looks like that now. Now for goalkeepers as big as him, mm. they rely on their reach. They have a very long reach, so they become a little bit lazy with their feet. And yesterday it just didn't look great. If if. It, if I go into detail about what happened uh, with a with a goal, he there was a shot blocked uh, six yards out. He's dived to his right, and then instead of using the traditional sort of just getting up normally, yeah, he uses this spin technique where you sort of throw your legs out in front of you, spin yourself round on your backside, yeah, and then you get up the other side. Now what that happens is as you're moving back to your left, yeah, it means anything to your right you you can't get at all. Uh, because you're facing to your left. And, and it just looks so laboured when somebody of his size tries that technique. Mm. And it normally works better with keepers who are sort of smaller than him. Right, OK. Were you impressed by contrast with Joe Hart grabbing his first ever assist and the first assist by any Premier League goalkeeper since Boxing Day 2016? That's a surprise because I would have had my money on Pickford or Edison. Oh, really? Just, yeah, just, be, you know, just because of the way they set off uh, When you think of attacks. that question over his distribution, have some of that Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I mean, basically, it is just a punch strip the field that, yeah. that landed somebody's feet, but... Yeah, anyway, it earned the hammers a point away at Also should Burnley. have given away a penalty. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He should have. He should have given Again, away a penalty. When was the last game as well, when, he, when he, uh, he did give a penalty when the referee didn't give it? Yeah. All right, but... 
Hammers did go down to 10 men after Andy Carroll picked up two yellow cards in the space of two minutes. No Second kind of... one is a sending off in itself. You think yeah, so? I think, yeah. yeah, I, I think would have so. thought so. Anyway, so he'll be suspended for what? Just one game, presumably, because of some of yellow cards. Oh, Richarlison apparently could be facing an extended ban if he's found to have been diving. I don't think he will be because there was contact. Now, whether that warrants uh, a foul and whether that entitles him to go down is, is debatable. Hmm. But um, as soon as you actually are being touched at full speed, you cannot then say to the player, you dived. Um, because he didn't. I mean, he, he felt a touch and, and, and fell. And that's why that's an almost impossible thing to retrospectively look at unless there is a very clear evidence of somebody sort of completely falling into space right. with no one around him. Um, this is not going to be the sort of incident that uh, the FA can clamp down on. Fair enough. One last game to mention, Swansea's victory over Huddersfield, who, since beating Newcastle back in August, have now played six, won none, and scored only one goal. Of course, part of the reason there is that Steve Mooney has been out injured, but worryingly, for David Wagner's side, they have Liverpool and Man United as their next two. Ouch. Swansea, a fact about them, five Premier League goals so far this season, which is not many. How many has Tammy Abraham scored of those? Five. Four. But close. Mm. Yeah, yeah either. It was something in the question that... Uh... Yeah, I misled you, sorry. Anyway, that is it for today's Totally Football Show. Thank you so much, David Priest, for being with us. Absolute pleasure. And to Raphael Honigstein. Hello. (laughs) Kelly, so nice to have you with us. So lovely to be here, as always. See you soon. Have a great time up in Salford. I will, thank you. Listeners, Rafa and I will be doing the Goal Show Tuesday and Wednesday on BT Sport Uno. Uh, So do join us for that. Otherwise, we'll be back on Thursday with more fun and games with your totally football friends. We'll see you then. Bye for now. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com.